0: what happened to hondo he jumped out of the freaking plane and then he shows up at the end of the yeah. episode i'm like he was going to look for scott and t-bob apparently he didn't do a very good job
1: perhaps there are birds that are called but to me that just was so bogus of a name i'm like come on mask writers you've got to come up with something better
0: I was like, how safe is it cutting through I beams in the ceiling? Is the roof gonna cave in? You know? yeah,
1: <laughs> mask cast. Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co writer. Vehicle codename 6,000, 80s guru skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, masked movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble mobile armored strike
0: command. Welcome, Agents, to MassCast 68, and yet another episode review of the Mobile Armored Strike Command animated series. Coming up on this podcast, we will be looking at episode number 52, Royal Cape Caper. You'll hear our usual play-by-play commentary, as well as audio clips mixed in from the actual episode. We'll then pause to give our opinions at the dramatic halfway point and also at the conclusion of the episode and our one to five scale rating. And then after our final verdict, we'll give our listeners the floor and announce the results of our online poll and also read back your reviews posted at our website, agentsofmask.com. The easiest way to participate in these review podcasts is by visiting the website, and look in that right-hand column to find the MassCast assignment. Just click on the picture, and you'll be taken right to the article, and it'll have the embedded video and also our poll right there once you're done watching that, and you can also leave your comments right there. Royal Cape Caper was originally broadcast on December tenth, 1985 in the U.S., and features Venom. Stealing the cape and helmet of Kamehameha the Great in Hawaii. They then mass-produce replicas, selling them as expensive fakes. It's up to the MASK team to stop Mayhem's plundering and deception. I'm Jason, one of your hosts of MASK cast, and with me as always is my longtime friend and fellow co-host, the skull face to my Screaming Mimi. Warning! Warning. The following program contains scenes which may offend some viewers. Others may experience mild discomfort, nagging backache, post-nasal drip, and delirium followed by rapid heartbeat, swelling of the nose, throat, and abdomen, and loss of facial hair. Repeated viewing of this tape may result in the loss of one's bodily functions, redistribution of facial features, premature baldness, and a difficulty in forming simple sentences. So, if you're seriously considering a rewarding, challenging career as a lawn ornament, this is the show for you! Five! Four! Three! Two! One! Yeah! Grosser than a mouthful of Brussels sprouts! More tasteless than a cube of tofu! More revolting than Bob's latest casserole! Yeah. Mad balls. What? Are you feeling a little bit angry?
1: I'm very angry.
0: Very angry indeed.
1: Must be something about Metal Gear or something, I don't know.
0: Are you feeling mad perhaps? I never watched Mad. Not mad, not mad. Mad Max. Mad balls. Mad balls. <laughs> Golf face and screaming Mimi. Here, I got one right here for you to show you the Mad Balls. These were I little- remember them things, man. Those were ugly <laughs> things too. This is actually one of the newer ones. Uh, I had some of the ones back in the day, back in the eighties. Uh, you know, if you're a baseball player or like sports or just like throwing a ball around the house, you know, you pick those up and they're you know pretty ugly. <laughs> ball to have around and uh, they did actually produce two animated specials back in the day they were direct to video I don't think they were ever broadcast but I remember watching I made it through I think one of them over there on YouTube and they're actually on our list for uh for rediscover the 80s to review but um I eh, I, I don't think it really stuck with me as far as the the (laughs) the uh, animated specials but i don't know i don't know what it is about them i guess it was because i played little league baseball and i love baseball that i had a few mad balls laying around the house so you don't ever remember having those or seeing them in stores i remember seeing
1: them but i knew i never really wanted them so i guess that's why i completely forgot who who the heck they were (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, they had some uh, some pretty fun names. The uh, original series, like I said, they had Screamin' Mimi, who was the baseball. You had Skullface, which was obviously like a human skull. You had Oculus Orbis, who was an eyeball. You had Dust Brain, which was uh, like a mummy. Horn Head. Bash Brain, which was like a zombie and then arg was one it was like <laughs> a frankenstein type monster and slobulus he had like one eye coming out of his socket uh and then they they did make some other ones and uh just i think it was in 20 what year is this <laughs> 2016 i think is when they started remaking them they they redid the uh, most of the characters kept the same names and they did the large size like I was showing you. And then the, there's a mini size as well. Hmm. And I've collected a lot of those. I've went on, uh, they have a app like a game app and, uh, you can actually win real prizes through there. So I've got like a ton of sticker sheets and I've actually won some of the little mini, uh, mad balls through the app. So, uh, Go check that out if you're uh, any at all a fan of Mad Balls, and I also got some comics too. They did make I think three or four comics uh, a couple years ago when they were making the push to bring them back, and those had some pretty cool artwork. But um, yeah, Mad Balls, why not? (laughs) We're getting we're getting thin on these. You know what I'm saying? I, I. I'm having to really dig deep. We've done pretty much everything that we know from the 80s.
1: <laughs> pretty much. I think we might have to just come out with our own 80 mashup something or other.
0: <laughs> just can it.
1: <laughs> well, you anyway. know, I even say here just recently, you uh, kind of pushed the threshold, as it were, from the 80s, put a few, few feelers out and have broadened your horizons, we'll call it, and it's are into the early 90s now, because some of it was seemed to really flow over there in the early 90s. And I I get why yeah. you did it, but I'm one of those that's, you know, I guess it's the black and white in me, you know, <laughs> 80s. <laughs> yeah. 90s, 80s. So well, you can elaborate that was, on that a little bit.
0: Yeah. And we, I mean, I don't really have any limitations as far as this show goes other than. we're outside of the mask world when we start this little intro, but yeah, I mean, you think about GI Joe even went into the late eighties and it's been remade. There were some other shows in the nineties and even I think the two thousands. But there's a lot of those properties that carried through the eighties had a, some release in the early nineties. And it was mainly why I did that was mainly because, the early nineties were our high school years. So we were still, you know, at home. And, uh, it was still at that point where we weren't, I, I would say, you know, quote unquote, our college or adult years. So right. that's why I kind of wanted to include that as well on rediscover the eighties. But that's another, uh, another topic for another day. But yeah, maybe I'll look into, uh, some cartoon shows or something in the early nineties. We can, chat about see if we can remember all right so well uh let's uh let's go ahead and get our mask on get your mask on (laughs) well the main news for mask fans is obviously the film franchise announcement that we discussed on our last podcast with mike quackenbush uh just go check that out you can hear basically our speculation on the whole take and as far as when we think the movie's going to hit and uh, maybe some of the other peripheral stuff that could happen through mask, uh, maybe a new cartoon series, uh, a video game. You know, we talked about some great stuff like that. So go check out that previous podcast. And there really hasn't been, it's been a, I don't know, like I said, a couple months since we recorded and Nothing is really broken as far as the movie goes. Uh, we're still waiting. I, I'm I'm guessing probably the next thing is going to be like a, uh, they're going to sign on an actor, or we've got the director. You know, maybe a producer. Uh, so, you know, somebody else that are behind the creative team, and uh, and maybe we'll get the lead actor. You know, for the movie uh, next, but who knows when that can be? Because I think we all agree it's going to be at least 2020, which is uh, still a year and a half away. So, you know, it might be towards the end of this year. It could be early next year before we get any more news about that. So just keep your fingers crossed. And, you know, obviously we're going to put it up there. As soon as we find something, we'll probably jump on the podcast, too, if anything else breaks. But uh, I did a little bit of digging. It wasn't really, you know, anything that major um because i saw somebody else post a little uh slideshow presentation uh, from 2017 from hasbro uh but i would i just happen to go over there on their site i like to do that from time to time especially when they have their uh quarterly investor like podcast or uh meetings that they'll do online and then they'll post the audio and I like to listen to those sometimes, but I noticed they had their new investor presentation up and the mask logo had changed. It had yeah. changed from the traditional, you know, rhino above and I, I don't know if we ever determined what exactly the mask is below. It's kind of a cross between spectrum and ultra flash, right? It's got that other mask on the the bottom and then it says, you know, and bright yellow the name of the show and then uh in the new presentation it's it's basically the same one that they've been doing for years and we reported this several years ago seeing mask labeled as a new brand for Hasbro in these uh presentations and it the, the mask logo itself has changed from the traditional logo to this like uh it's a new font Mm -hmm. And it's like silver, uh, a a silver color with like a black uh, shadow effect. And one of the presentations I saw, it did have in small letters, the full name of, you know, Mobile Armored Strike Command underneath. The other one didn't. But um, I don't know. I thought that was significant. Is this going to be their new logo going forward? You know, it could be. Or is this just a placeholder? until they finalize you know what they're going to do as far as merchandise goes once the movie pushes forward so i don't know what did you think of the logo
1: well i know that like anything else they got to freshen up an image right when you buy a property when you buy something it's like you you don't want to carry over the past Uh, whether we fans want the past is another story but You've got to freshen it up. I guess it's just like anything marketing. You got to fresh up the look every couple of years. So, yeah. Initially, of course, I was a little upset because they they changed our logo. But again, you got to look at it from their marketing. They're going to freshen up. We all know that they're going to change the vehicles in some form or fashion. It may or may not be an '80s IROC Z. It's probably going to be some. I would hope at least a Camaro. I guess, you know, it could be anything like we've seen people spoofing with uh, different cars throughout the I'd say the last year, maybe two that I've seen Mm -hmm. come across. Um, I was taken aback because we know it's an acronym. But I didn't see the the periods anywhere in between. Uh, I didn't even see that font until I read your article. and, And it's you can very faintly see that it's etched out. So maybe it's the new style of acronyms where we don't put periods anymore. It's, you know, it is what it is. The
0: the original logo didn't have periods, if I do remember right. It just has uh, the letters. Uh, And maybe there were some variations of the original logo that added the periods, but I don't think it was in there. So I'm not really, I, I, I don't know, that really doesn't bother me. As much as it's just kind of bland, it's like, uh, I don't know. It, it, you know, mask has that really bright yellow, there's the red of rhino in there, and black. I mean, those are the primary colors. And I guess
1: you're right. I always assumed there was a periods in there. Mm-hmm.
0: No, because so- I somebody else had mentioned that too. Uh, as I posted that article, and I was like, well, I don't the original one didn't have it either. So I don't think that's a huge deal. And like I said, it, it just lacks some, need some color, need some, you know, brighten it up a little bit, add a little bit of red in there and, and yellow to it as well. I mean, I don't mind. I, I, I kind of like the font. It's more of that kind of machine or metallic style, which, you know, would fit in with a vehicle or something mechanical. So I don't, yeah, I'm not, I'm i am not too big on that it's just the colors were kind of generic to me but it, again who, who knows if this is the actual real logo they're going to use moving forward so it could be just something that oh let's come up with something new just so people know that we're working on something or something new is coming you know
1: right right
0: because like i said they've had that old mask logo in that presentation for several, several years. And there's some people probably looking at it like going, okay, so this is a new property. Why has it been in here for (laughs) three years and it looks the same, you know, could just be some executive saying that let's change it up. So it looks new anyway, but that's, uh, that's pretty much all I've posted online. I I did want to remind everybody, uh, I'm not sure how you're listening to the podcast, but if you do have iHeartRadio, if you use the Blueberry or the Player FM apps, we're also on there now. And Wyatt's even tested it on uh, Alexa, haven't you?
1: I have. It's you, you have to fumble with the code. So mm-hmm. uh, like Rediscover the 80s by itself will not pop up, not even RD 80s for, for our podcast. Memory Jogger will. Agents of mask will pop up. It'll pop up the latest episode. But if you say AOM, it'll it won't go anywhere.
0: Yeah. What about mask cast? Have you tried that?
1: You know, I haven't tried that. I think it's because it can't distinguish the mask. Yeah, okay. Or it comes up with I can't remember what it comes up with. It's something stupid. So it's <laughs> like well, you know, whenever I say rediscover the 80s. Or rediscover the '80s podcast. It'll pop up and say, "Here's an all
0: '80s station." Ah, uh, okay.
1: It's close. You get it, but no.
0: <laughs> well, we might have to work on that. On uh, another local radio station, which is an iHeartRadio station, you say, you know, play whatever on iHeartRadio, and then they'll it'll pull it up. But nice. Uh, anyway, you might want to try that if you got one of those uh, home audio thingy bobbies. I don't know what you call them. <laughs> well, the uh, right
1: the right name of them is called an echo, but Alexa is the app. So
0: yeah. What's echo. and Google. Apple? I think it's Google home. Yeah. Is the, the Google one. So you can listen to us on there if you want, you know, while you're doing the dishes or whatever. <laughs> That's what I anyway, do. we're trying to, we're basically, I'm, I'm just trying to get out the show to, um, perhaps a new audience and, uh, the same for the rediscover the eighties podcast to, uh, just to broaden our horizons a little bit. Well, and, uh, we'll I, I, yeah, we are. I mean, uh, just looking at some of the downloads and stuff from, uh, after we moved it over to your server there, it's, it's, things have been uh, looking up. So thank you everybody for, uh, subscribing. And if you've got one of those, uh, players or one of those devices you want to try us out there and go for it and hopefully you'll pick us up and not some random podcast about actual masks or something (laughs) (laughs) anyway well we i think have reached the end of get your mask on are you ready to go to hawaii
1: i'm ready to start the mask cast We fade up on a tribal party. Looks like a hula dance. I wasn't quite sure if it was Hawaii at the time, but I figured it out afterwards. With Scott joking with T-Bob that it looks like he's square dancing. He turns and jokes with Hondo that he can't get the statue to say cheese. Hondo replies that he wants a picture of the cape and helmet that, I can't remember the name now. It's been a couple of minutes. Kapaya Maya Maya war 150 years ago
0: kamehameha
1: kamehameha i didn't know how to type that i really apologize
0: i didn't either so yeah i'm right there with you it
1: looks like you could stuff a nice pillow with them
0: i suppose you could t-bob but they're made out of extremely rare bird feathers
1: as hondo focuses the lenses which had some great graphics there the scene is interrupted with the statue being levitated upwards and here it sounds like t-bob was supposed to say something but they edit it out as he stammers. It, to me, it looked like he was trying to say something.
0: Hmm. I didn't catch that.
1: The statue is sent to the night sky with the chief and chiefess bowing with others aghast. Next, we see it diving minus the cape and helmet into the ocean with everyone looking on at the scene. Next, we fade out of the night picture to a factory with Matt. Stating, It shouldn't be too long before we can all have pineapple on our ice cream again, Robert. I'd say we're halfway home, Matt. Probably another three weeks. Good. The local residents will have their jobs back. Yes. With our financial assistance, we've improved the situation.
0: Times have been hard around here since the plant went out of business.
1: This is where we now cut to Scott.
0: Yes, and Scott and T-Bob and Hondo run up with Scott yelling for his dad. Matt asks why they were back so soon, and wasn't it fun? It was fun for a while, but someone stole the main attraction, Kamehameha's cape and helmet.
1: You should have seen it, Dad. Kamehameha's statue flew into the clouds like a bird. Then it dive-bombed like a plucked chicken.
0: (laughs) I actually laughed at that. The owner, uh, Mr. Rothman, says they are priceless. Matt agrees, since there aren't many of the... O-O-E-E birds left. Uh, these these names. come up with a better
1: no, or dang bird?
0: Yeah, no, well, no offense to the uh, Hawaiian people that might be listening, but if we butcher any of these names, just, you know, move along. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> we're, not, we're not trying to do it on purpose. Um. So Mr. Rothman says it's a shame and then says he has to leave to attend some personal business. Hmm. I bet. I want to investigate Kamehameha's launching pad at the beach. Uh, Don't you mean the crash pad? (laughs) Then we jump right into the Venom theme and we uh, descend on this jungle hut. We get a glimpse of the cape and the helmet with Mayhem, Floyd Malloy, and Vanessa Warfield also in the room. Mayhem says the cape and helmet is just what the doctor ordered. Floyd can't believe someone would pay $3 million for a bunch of bird feathers, or boyd feathers, as he likes to say, <laughs> just because some duke wore them. Mayhem corrects him. Come, man, man was a king, you bird brain. Duke, king, what's the difference? The money's still the same. Ah, shut up. We've got a delivery to make.
1: I'm going to turn that bag of feathers into a bird of paradise for us,
0: and I want no slip-ups. Got it? And then we go to the next day.
1: Right, with Matt and Hondo, which are investigating the statue's platform, with Matt joking, there is nothing out of the ordinary except messed up sandcastles. Hondo replies, ditto, drawing a blank too. The duo are out waiting along the the beach with Scott asking T-Bob if he sees anything. He replies, two cent crabs and a clam. They'd have better luck in Africa. Scott asks, What do you mean with T Bob replying, Isn't that where Cape Town is? <laughs>
0: T Bob. Actually, so, have an LOL moment instead of roll my eyes there. Yep. Yeah.
1: I had my roll my eyes moment with that one. Sorry. <laughs> so T Bob jokes and hops around, then turns and falls into the water. T Bob. Bob's up, yelping for help, saying a sea monster has him. Scott runs to his aid and saying he doesn't see a monster. T Bob replies, It's because it's invisible. And Scott is dragged into the water also. He now yells for Dad's help with Hondo and Matt racing over. Scott, T Bob, you okay? Well, we're not 20,000 leagues under the sea, if that's what you mean. Easy for you to say. The monster didn't mistake you for a flounder flambé. Huh? There's your sea monster, T-Bob. A bunch of fishing line. Matt notices that it's more sophisticated, made out of nylon and something else. Matt begins to tug on it and reels up the, sp- the spear from Maya's statue. Matt surmises that if it were tied to an aircraft, it would explain how Kamehameha flew the coupe. It's also what probably made the cape flap like wings. wonder who wants Kamehameha's cape and helmet. Maybe the black market art world has
0: decided to dress up in fine feather.
1: And this is where we cut to Thunderhawk.
0: Yes, now we're inside Thunderhawk. The onboard computer is scanning through black market art dealers. And it uncovers Robert Rothman, who was the factory owner from the earlier scene. Scott asks, isn't he the one he was doing business with? And Matt says, yes, up until now. Hondo says, maybe they should pay him a visit. Uh, Matt agrees, the sooner the better as they drive away. And we get the going doors extending, or at least one of them. And they launch into the sky. And this was kind of a... Really quick, kind of generic background takeoff. It it seemed like recycled footage from something else. It I don't know. Didn't really match up to me with where they were. But I don't know. Maybe they were on the beach, and maybe that's what they were trying to go for.
1: Probably. With that.
0: But um, anyway, uh, now we're back at Rothman's house with Switchblade and Manta and Vampire parked out front. Rothman grasps the cape and says, Good work,
1: gentlemen. I now own something most art dealers would envy with a passion. And that's nice. Now give us something that we have a passion for. Three million.
0: Your organization deserves it, Mayhem. I'll take that, Malloy. Mayhem opens the briefcase and he gives this little smirk. I like this animation here and he says to Rothman he got what he deserved too and then now we head back above in Thunderhawk Matt and Hondo are now in their flight suits uh, quick change there
1: yeah.
0: Scott and T-Bob are looking out the back window and Scott wonders at all of the pineapples that are below
1: pineapples? oh what are pineapples doing on those bushes? cause that's how they grow T-Bob everybody knows that but i thought they grew on pine trees you
0: know pine apples <laughs> <laughs> okay so this was a roll my eyes moment yeah, because really. that was a corny joke and then everyone laughs in the cockpit you know matt and hondo there and i i don't know i felt like this scene could have been deleted altogether
1: <laughs> or
0: saved for the end or something but i don't know well
1: my comment was this had to have been a filler spot they could have Wiped it out completely.
0: Right. So then uh, we cut back to Venom and Switchblade taking off.
1: Right, with Vanessa and Floyd also driving off. Then we cut right back to Mask and Matt saying, What the... Venom! I almost thought he was going to say something. (laughs) (laughs) What the... Venom. It figures. Like ten dimes make a dollar. I was waiting for old... uh... Doug to interject something there. <laughs> Matt calls out defense mode masks, which is actually pretty cool. We switch yeah. right back to Venom. Miles states mask is here and instructs battle mode. So now we finally get the, I no, don't think I've
0: ever heard of battle mode before. Have you? He he has used it sparingly and it might've been, well, I know Matt has used defense mode and in, right. I guess it's, you know, battle mode, defense mode, for both of them is their terminology, but I have heard that before, but just not. I mean, they've used it quite a bit in this episode. Yeah, throughout.
1: I, I just don't recall it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Matt turns back and informs the duo that he's going to place them in the pineapples for their safety. He cleverly flies into the factory and quickly lands, which happened to be nice animation, especially with the suspension kind of bouncing as they stop. You and T-Bob stay in here. Hide behind the equipment. Anyway, it was a noble idea to fly into the warehouse, essentially. But he just basically drew the enemy right there with him, which (laughs) avoided it. Mm -hmm. Floyd flies in with vampire and begins firing buckshot at them with one turning on one of the processing systems. There's a pause, and then Floyd using Buckshot again, with Matt turning to run, and he slips on all the pellets, falling onto the conveyor belt, where he seems to be out cold. Watching from their hiding spot, Scott tells T-Bob that Dad's taking five at the wrong time. Floyd shoots another round of Buckshot at Thunderhawk, with Hondo shooting some blaster at him, causing him to dodge the blast. The duo crawl to Matt on the conveyor belt, and Scott tries to shake his dad awake. Wake up, Dad. You wouldn't look good as a can of pineapples. Got you covered, Malloy. Hondo continues to use blaster to keep Floyd at bay before Vanessa and Manta race in. As he lays out a field of laser blast from the headlights... She loses control of Manta as it slips on the bug shot. I thought that was actually kind of comical. I was waiting for her to say something. You lame brain or something. It ends up bumping into the conveyor belt, jolting the duo off and into the opened hatch of Manta. Honda watches. (laughs) Then we cut to Vanessa shaking off the crash. Then she tells Floyd, let's go. She's tired of waiting for him. They race out with Honda trying to talk to Matt. Honda tries to turn off the system and sees that it is broken from the battle. Matt continues towards the blades, and we are taken to our dramatic commercial break. The switch must have been knocked out in the battle.
0: That we are. So what are you thinking? Um, well, <laughs> this, uh, this scene was like a rerun. You know, because there is a, an episode, I think it was the episode where that chic uh, or whoever steals the horses. I can't remember yeah. the name of that one. And they're in a barn or something. It might be, have been a hay baler. Maybe it was outside. But anyway, it's the same ploy where Matt gets knocked out. The one before was a laser blast from Switchblade who kind of surprised him and shot like the ground in front of him and Matt goes flying back and bangs his head and he's on the conveyor belt as the machine kicks on. And then he's going into the hay baler at the break. So I was like, eh, we've kind of seen this before. Uh, It was, you know, kind of different where uh, Hondo, you know, he's trying to turn off the machine and you're not sure exactly how he's going to get up there to stop it. He's got blasters. So, you know, he could like cut through the, (laughs) the part of the machine or something where the blades were. But anyway, so I was kind of underwhelmed, I guess you'll say by the, the drama at the break that, I mean, the animation was great in the first half. There was a nice little uh, transformation of vampire. I noted in this scene when they get out of there uh, right before the break. But um, I thought there were some really cool scenes, like you mentioned, the uh, the camera focusing and uh, just the little things that I like to look for in these episodes. And they were hitting on all gears, I think, in the, in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that Venom was engaged early in this episode, too. Yeah. You know, like last episode, I, it was, you know, there was a hint of them, and I think they finally came in, like, after the break or it was later in the first half, but anyway, I thought it had a great pace and there was a lot of nice back and forth to keep the episode moving along. And it didn't really drag except for that one scene where they're up in Thunderhawk and they're just joking and laughing. That's, you know, like I said, that could have been omitted altogether, but I was kind of surprised that I had, I actually went through my notes. I had more LOLs than RMEs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I either T Bob was uh I was I was being generous or trying to uh see the the light in his jokes in this one, but uh it wasn't bothering me in the first half. Um we usually get the battles at the end of the episode, so it was nice to have kind of a mask slash vehicle battle in the first half. So um that was much appreciated. Um and I like the, you know, part of the mystery has been solved about the, you know, who the uh, the art dealer that they found that was, you know, they were doing business with. But, you know, there's still a lot more to be resolved, you know, including Scott and T-Bob in the back of Manta, not just Matt, you know, on the conveyor belt. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're riding in the back of Manta towards Venom's hideout at this point. So uh, I like that we get part of it solved, but uh, a good bit is still you know we, we've got to we've got to get to the end of the episode to figure out what's going to happen. Right? Uh, what happened to Mayhem? Was he too worried about losing the cash to stick around and fight? You know, it's just uh, Floyd and uh, and Vanessa in this scene, and I, I was kind of wondering, well, where did Mayhem go? Why wasn't he involved with with trying to? Get in there too, but maybe he just wanted the three million and get out of there, (laughs) you
1: know. (laughs) Could be. I mean, well, I'm overthinking it, but you know, there's some scenes we've seen Switchblade where a helicopter should not even be in those K's back like in the early series. Just why? Why were they bringing that in there? Yeah, but maybe they thought this one through and thought, well, what how would a helicopter actually get into basically a production or warehouse? doors true
0: yeah i mean they did have that you know the motorcycle vampire getting in and out of there in jet mode but that's a lot skinnier too so mm. that, that could have been part of it but really the only part of it that i it kind of threw me off was up in that scene in, in thunderhawk when scott and t-bob are looking out the back of the of thunderhawk it's like i don't know it looks too square to me like the window I was like, are they flying a, like a delivery van or it it just didn't kind of, kind of match up. And then I mentioned that one little, you know, the, the Thunderhawk transformation and takeoff was, I don't know. It seemed like recycled footage there, but I, I didn't mark it down too much. I just went down to 4.5, uh, Mm -hmm. in the first half. So I just took a half point away and I was crossing my fingers that they were going to pay it off pretty well in the second half. So, what did you think
1: well, like you i I love the animation. you know how I like this the to see the that they add a little extra to it, like when i when the brakes and the car is actually bouncing like you would actually do in a real car that was great, good bit of interaction. We got venom earlier on in the scene, not what seems to be halfway three quarters of the way through the episode before we see venom sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, we also saw that the plot was actually a very quick to come up. Sometimes, like for me, it it's like, okay, it's almost to the commercial before we get to the plot. So I like that it was, yeah, basically ready access. It was right there. This one wore on me though. Perhaps there are birds that are called oo but to me that just was so bogus of a name. I'm like, come on, mask writers, you gotta come up with something better. O- ostriches something that that just does not right so to me it was just so made up of a name that pineapple bush tree scene that wasted 30 seconds really i mean we've seen them waste time before but that was wasted they could have done something they could have had miles arguing more or or uh, some. I, I have a
0: i have a suggestion later in the episode for that okay.
1: then the Attempted drop off in the warehouse i mean you're drawing them into a building i could see if you put them out in in like the brush or a tree line i get that but you're drawing them right into the building mm-hmm. just that rubbed me raw i the animation bumped it up i'm at a solid 3.5 i wow much more I was out wow, of three. Okay. I was out of three until I liked the animation there. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, you're uh, you're lower than me then. This episode. I know. That's we'll a See rap. how it pans out. <laughs> we'll see how it pans out. All right, so we are back uh, to the basically the same point where we faded out at those rotating blades, and Matt is getting ever so close to the edge with Hondo still trying to push that like emergency stop button or what, whatever button it was on the machine. He finally gives up, and he calls for Blaster's laser. Blaster laser. Oh. And he cuts through an I-beam from, like, above, and it drops, and he picks it up and throws it into the uh, the machine there to stop the blades and, the, I guess, the conveyor belt, too. But I was like, how safe is it cutting through I-beams in the ceiling? Is the roof going to cave in? You yeah, know? really. <laughs> Uh it was just kind of an odd, you know, odd way to save him. Um uh, like I said, I, I was thinking he was gonna just cut through the machine and catch him or something, but I I don't know. Uh, I I guess you can uh, I guess there might be a couple spare I beams up there that aren't, you know, load bearing. <laughs> anyway. So Hondo saves the day. We cut back to Thunderhawk and Hondo tells Matt that Scott and T Bob are with Venom. And he immediately asked the onboard computer for the mask team, and the computer selects Julio Lopez for his uh, cryptography skills. and I guess because what did they say? Because his vehicle could also be helpful or something like that. Digital capabilities could be helpful.: Okay, that was a little little vague, but um, anyways, Julio is discussing an X-ray of a boy's arm with his father and tells him it's going to be two or three weeks and they'll be able to remove the cast. And his watch goes off and he gives (laughs) the, the kid is sucking on a lollipop and he gives the father a lollipop too, I guess just to keep him quiet. And he (laughs) runs out. Uh, Next up is Alex sector for his knowledge of exotic birds. Of course, since he's the zoologist, (laughs) Alex is trying to put a collar on a dog but it won't let him. So uh, he gets the call on his watch and he just kind of runs off and the dog picks up the collar with its mouth and he flings it up in the air and the collar lands perfectly around his neck. So uh, didn't need Alex at all on that one. I guess not. And then uh, additional personnel, of course, Honda McLean preselected and Matt approves the personnel. We don't get the assembly command that he normally does you know it's usually personnel approved assemble mobile arm and right. strike command but I made a we got comment of this
1: because approved. okay just when they fix one mistake we finally go back to the watch sound the actual watch it's not 50 different yep. ways of making a watch sound it's the original that they started out with then they screw it up by not doing assemble mobile arm strike command yeah come on
0: yeah anyway okay that's my rant. Well, <laughs> well. after we get the selection, we fade in on Venom again.
1: Right, which is Manta is at the scene where we hear it a bit of rumbling as we look at the back end of Manta. Inside, we see Scott attempting to open the hatch with him asking T-Bob. Little to the left, T-Bob. I'm trying. I'm trying. I've only got four hands. Careful! Want to electrocute us? Well, only if it means we can get out of this trunk! So, he's willing to uh, short-circuit got <laughs> to get out of their predicament.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Z-Bob uses his robotic hand and seems to simply unlatch the hatch. Exiting, they run to a building and carefully walk along the perimeter and under the opened window where they then jog to a nearby tree line. Once in the trees, Scott wants to call his dad to ensure he's okay. After turning his head and opening the radio panel, he states that the radio is out and suggests that the cause was when they fell. Scott surmises that they better stay close to Venom since Mask will be looking for them, and when they find Venom, they'll find them too. Pretty good plan. Yeah, very good plan. We cut to the mansion and we see Thunderhawk, Dragonfly, and a police car outside. Then we go inside where Matt lectures Brothman that he can cancel any deals they made as two cops are holding then escort the man out. Now there's 30 seconds. They could have had the guy going, oh, you'll never get away with this or some stupid thing, you know? And anyway.
0: Well, my suggestion came right here as well. I was like, Oh, there's uh, Alex and Julio. They just kind of happened on scene. Why did not we get a scene with the mask plane or something? You know, with them landing and coming up to that house, you know, where Rothman was. That would make
1: too much sense.
0: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so.
1: <laughs> Looks like the flying cape didn't find a home in Rockman's Nest after all. The Hawaiian people will be glad to know their relics are safe. Wait just a minute, Alex. This cape is a fake. What? The feathers are real, but the stitching and material is new, not 150 years old. He deduces that Venom made a fake cape for Brothman, took the money and ran. Alex commits that he couldn't have thought of a nicer guy to swindle. Mm -hmm. Matt states that they can find where they found the feathers.
0: Venom may be
1: nearby, obviously. Alex suggests they check the computer to find the nesting ground. And this is where we cut back to Thunderhawk once again.
0: Right. And the computer shows Wyatt's favorite bird, the O-O-E-E bird, at the south end of the island. And Matt hopes that Scott and T-Bob are still part of the flock. Roll my eyes. Yep. Back to Venom's hut. The agents are huddled around a table with Malloy folding a cape. Take it easy on that cape, Malloy.
1: Don't worry, it ain't the real one. Real one's hanging over there. You better be sure. I don't want any wrinkles in my plan. So what's the next step,
0: Mayhem? Simple. Offer the governor the real cape for three million. But I'm gonna sell him a fake too. And Malloy does the math real quick and says that'll be six million that they'll make. <laughs> Mayhem says that's right, Einstein. And when he sells the real one in Europe, they'll make at least three million more. So Malloy asks, at this point, you know, with all the money <laughs> being talked about, if he's going to get his fair cut." And Mayhem responds, "His fair cut may be nothing if he continues to ask stupid questions. Scott looks on now. He's basically looking through the window at what's going on inside, and he asked T-Bob if he heard the plan and tells him to get ready to leave. T-Bob kind of questions him about leaving because they might get stranded. Well, Scott shushes him and, and asks him if he wants Venom to make a luau out of him. That was kind of a roll my eyes joke there. Um, Scott's plan is to keep Venom at their hangout until dad gets there. Now, (laughs) the, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I I guess Scott's making a lot of assumptions that they're gonna find Venom, and you know how he didn't really know how they were, you know where Mask was or how they were gonna get there to find them. You know the radio was broken, but obviously finding the rare bird was was kind of easy in the Thunderhawk computer. So I don't know. There's a little bit of disconnect. Well, throughout the second half of the episode, where there was a a assumption made about information and who knew what and all this. And I'll get into that a little bit later, but this was one of those moments. But anyway, Scott tells T-Bob to follow him as they kind of run off and we see uh, him lifting the hood of Manta now with T-Bob kind of messing with some wires under there. We then see Scott messing with vampire. And then we see both of them on top of switchblade meddling with the propeller. So we know what their plan is. They're they're kind of messing with the vehicles and,
1: right.
0: which is I, I don't know. I thought that was fun. It was a fun and kind of good plan to kind of keep Venom parked where they were, uh, so Mask could find them. Even right. though Scott Scott didn't know how they were gonna find them. Anyway, we cut then to a nice uh, conversion of Firefly.
1: Right. We should be getting close to the oo and ee nesting ground let's just hope venom didn't fly the coop they did i might never find scott we're right back at venom they all are getting into their vehicles with vanessa and floyd getting no response floyd adding that vampire's acting like a turkey we then <laughs> see switchblade smoking and only spinning the rotor slowly miles yells out to fix their vehicles at once cutting back to thunderhawk a bleep on the monitor increases as Alex says that they are getting close. Matt adds that they know what it is to migrate. Matt instructs Julio. Oh my. Yeah, pretty much. That one was a lame one. Matt instructs Julio.
0: Did it, okay, wait, wait a second. Okay. Did it seem a little crowded for you in there? You got Matt and Hondo and is riding shotgun and Alex is kind of leaning forward, you know, I'm, I'm like, all right. Uh, there's, we've only got two, and I see why they did it. That you only have Thunderhawk and Firefly, right? But would have killed them to get Rhino on scene and give Alex a, a vehicle to drive and not be stuck in the back seat of Thunderhawk. You know, I could see Scott and T-Bob being back there, but putting an agent back there, I don't know. It makes Thunderhawk look crowded to me.
1: It is. <laughs> I mean, a Camaro is not the most comfortable car. It's not meant to be a four seater. <laughs> right,
0: right, right anyway yeah i'm so sorry that
1: instructs julio that they are going down and to go into defense mode we are cutting right back to venom let's go meet me on the north shore of a
0: we'll contact the governor from there huh? so that's who sabotaged our vehicles battle mode.
1: They all transform, good animation and the tilting up as we see Manta and Vampire, and they all take to the air. Miles says this is his way of saying aloha and presses a button on the yoke, which launches a rocket. Matt says it looks like they want to scrimmage as he banks. Julio looks back and says it's time to practice your maneuvers as he shoots a series of laser blasts from the back of Dragonfly. Floyd dodges, but is forced to the ground where he seems to pull off of Rax, being launched off the bike and long enough to run in midair before falling.
0: It was definitely a a Rax moment. (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah. That's what I thought. I'm like, where's Rax when you need him here for this scene?
0: Now, you kind of went through that quick, but Mayhem uh, suspects that, you know, Mask sabotaged their vehicles. Well, if Mask was there wouldn't they have just blown them up, you know, destroy the vehicles so they couldn't work at all instead of just messing with their engines that they'd be able to fix in like five minutes? You know? You think? <laughs> I, that's what just kind of, I guess, killed me on that one was how quickly they, uh, you know, you told them to fix the vehicles and five minutes later they're ready to go, you know, without, I don't, I don't know. It's like, you know, all Scott and T-Bob could do was disconnect the battery or something, you know? <laughs> The thing was smoking. We saw it smoking. How can he fix it in five minutes?
1: Right. And all to me, uh, all he took off was the rotor blade. So it's not going to smoke. The thing's going to vibrate like all the heck, but it's not going to smoke. Right.
0: Well, and then, you know, usually when Matt says defense mode, we get the masks coming down or, you know, like the vehicles converting or something. But that kind of. He says defense mode before you know they get into uh, this battle with Venom, right? But nothing happens. They, they don't get their mask or anything at that point. They, there was no scene there to for them to drop, you know, and onto their heads from Thunderhawk, or he, right. we don't even know how uh, Julio gets his mask, you know. But anyway, that that was just a couple of things I pulled out of uh, of that scene. But uh, you know, overall, again, we're getting a. a a battle scene here or, or at least the interaction uh, before even the end of the episode. So this is number two already, you know? Right. Uh, and I like the, the launching, the animation with uh, Mayhem launching the missile at Thunderhawk. There's some, a great scene where you can see through the sights that Mayhem has in the cockpit, you know, right at Thunderhawk. And then we also got a little bit of knowledge about, you know, we had saw this before we thought Matt could maneuver Thunderhawk and how he maneuvers it with the steering wheel where we thought maybe he can push and pull back, you know, like the yoke on an airplane. And this one, he actually spun the wheel to bank. So I thought that was fun that we saw him spinning the wheel in the, Thunderhawk actually banks, so we know that's how he controls it. We don't, you know, always see that. We see him messing with a lever in the middle of the console too. I think that's usually when he converts it. But I don't know. It's interesting to me control, how it works. I've seen him
1: throttle it too when you know when he wants to get. Yeah. So I, that's the other tick I've had throughout. If we could do a whole synopsis of it, that middle mm-hmm. stick has three functions, as far as I can figure out. It's not only the transmission for the car, it's the selector to switch the mode to jet, but it's also the throttle to the jet. So okay, how many more functions <laughs> is on there? Is it like up and, over, and, there's and a, over on jet mode and up and up like reverse and
0: well, you a, got that's the uh that's the button for the the door uh lasers yeah, too, too. Push that to uh engage those. So it's got it's like a yeah, multi <laughs> lever there anyway sidebar yeah,
1: yeah julio adds lessons over he transforms dragonfly and lands in the jungle near vampire and he walks out and then the animation where he seems to be aware that someone's watching was actually impressive with NC yeah. buckshot blast and this this chases julio away but that was actually impressive animation that they did right there
0: yeah, it was like a 360 degree rotation, mm-hmm. and yeah, he. It, I liked the music there too. It was kind of that suspenseful uh, kind of music, and you know, I, I was wondering why he got out of the Firefly to begin with. I'd just stay in there and just start shooting lasers back through the jungle, but yeah, you know, he got out and he knew he was around there somewhere, and then he kind of surprised him with the shooting the pellets, and he does that like impressive front flip. To get away from the pellets, which I I don't know. I That was one thing I wondered too. This is not good or bad, but what does it feel like to get hit with uh, Buckshot's pellets? I mean, is it like getting hit with a paintball gun or, I mean, does it sting or is it just more trying to get away from slipping on the things, walking around, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'd need to run as much as he did away from those little pellets, but
1: I know. I know. Back in the day, uh, this is when I was stationed out at Fort Dix. Another sidebar, sorry, but this is fun. We used to have what was called sim rounds, and they were there was a little plastic cap loaded with laundry detergent that was dye colored, so it might be like fluorescent yellow or red or whatever. But it was actually mated to an actual shell, so it fit your nine mil. It fit your well. I think the nine mil mod is what we had. For our M4 rifles and our M9 pistols, mm-hmm. and that sucker stung like no tomorrow. And <laughs> our, our joke used to be, "Pain as a moderator you will learn." And I'll tell you what, people learn because they would. We would tell people to always wear their flak vests if they had the plates and those ones. Wear the plates because this will sting. People would always take them out because the plates are like another forty pounds of plates. That's added to your body people take them out tap 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 oh i'm black and blue man it took out half my arm well, we told you <laughs> we did a we did a what we called a blue on blue instructor basically game like a half an afternoon oh mm-hmm. geez, i was black and blue all over and <laughs> i had my flag vest on <laughs> they knew where to shoot that was the downside we know where to shoot the things ding ding inner, lo- inner thigh ding ding <laughs> <laughs> oh. anyway i can only imagine that's what has, right. has to be what buckshot nearly felt like is something like that
0: yeah that was well, the- But i mean they're wearing those big masks too and you know, I, I don't know if they really have any padding with the suits but i would think they just bounce off the masks right anyway
1: anyway that takes us to uh, where we see manta and vanessa
0: Right, we're back in the air. Vanessa pulls Manta kind of nose-to-nose with Thunderhawk now and tells him to try this on for size. And she shoots those three missiles from Manta's hood, and they narrowly miss Thunderhawk. Try this on for size. I thought maybe Manta had some more weapons than that, but so anyway, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I I know there's some. I think her headlights maybe she's used before, and uh, maybe even some on the wings of uh, Manta.
1: Doesn't it have a saw blade or something that comes at the front?
0: On a couple episodes, she has. I think she's. They're on arms. Yeah, she might have shot them out. As well, but I know that she's had some that are on arms that she could, you know, kind of cut through stuff. But, I mean, that wouldn't help you when you're in a dogfight. No. Uh, in the air, you know, but I don't know. I, I thought she was a better pilot. She could at least be helpful there, you know, instead of just flying off at this point. But it also told me, too, that, you know, with the her dashboard kind of fizzled out, And she's radioing mayhem. It's not necessarily through the car. It's through the masks that they communicate. So that kind of backs that theory up. Anyway, so she flies off. We're back inside Thunderhawk, and Hondo sees Manta leave and says he's going to go look for Scott and T-Bob. And he essentially parachutes out of Thunderhawk. And then we see Floyd still after Julio in the jungle below. And he this time uses the... Voice command for buckshot on, and shoots more pellets at Julio. And Julio turns around this time and uses streamer stickum, quote unquote, from his mask, and it dampers those pellets, and they go flying to the ground, essentially weighting them down. Uh, this happens a couple times, and then Floyd moves his head to indicate that he's essentially out of pellets, like he's trying to shoot more and it's out. And I like Julio's response here. He's kind of cocky and kind of mocking him. He says, uh, What's the
1: matter? Lose your bearings?
0: I thought that was funny. Yeah. I just like the way he, you know, kind of put him in his place after he ran out of those stupid little pellets. But now we are essentially from Scott and T Bob's perspective there in the jungle, who are watching the battle between Floyd and Julio. And Scott asked T Bob if he saw that. He says, "Are you kidding me? My eyes were glued to it." Now that was a roll my eyes joke, you know. Blue stick them anyway. We uh head right back up to the sky with the. We get an awesome shot of Thunderhawk and Switchblade <clears throat> kind of crossing paths in midair. And this time, Switchblade approaches Thunderhawk from behind. Try to dance your way out of this. <laughs>
1: the cape and the helmet we gotta save them
0: so they run inside the burning hut and i thought this was kind of brave for scott you know sometimes he hesitant when the moment comes but you know running into a burning hut (laughs) i'm not sure i would do it but he's shielding his face from the smoke and he sees the relics but the smoke is really bothering him and then we uh we're right back up to Thunderhawk with uh, Alex telling Matt that they better land because the cape and helmet are going to burn up. Well, and this was a disconnect for me. I was like, "Well, how do they know that that was the hut that Venom was using?" And that's it. That the they did cape and was inside. They didn't know. I mean, that's again. There's just a few little moments throughout this episode that kind of disconnect me like that. That they could have did a better job of. I don't know. Somehow. Maybe they spotted Scott and T-Bob running into the hut. That would be enough to get you to land right then and there. But knowing that the cape and helmet were in there, was that was kind of, I guess, pushing it. But So then we get this nice sweeping maneuver of Thunderhawk coming around and then a a really cool landing sequence. You could tell this was specific for the episode. uh, And I like the way they did that. And then we get um, Alex and Matt running up to the hut.
1: Right and then uh, Matt says that they need to stop the fire and then we cut right back over to Julio scaring Floyd up a tree with the streamer running a stream of basically glue up the tree behind him Mm -hmm. and we see Switchblade hover over and with a rope line Floyd hops as Miles states that
0: next time mask I'm gonna keep you
1: Back at the hut, it's now simply smoldering with Matt saying that the cape and helmet are gone. Then Scott shouts that they are over here as he walks out with the cape and T-Bob wearing the helmet. Matt sounds astonished and Scott asks, how does he look? Matt takes (laughs) the mask off and says like a warrior king and gives him a big hug. T-Bob says that he's the king since he's wearing the crown. And two ooh, ooh, e-, e birds land on his head, and T Bob asks, Hey! Oh,
0: what's the matter with them?
1: I don't know. Maybe they just recognize Hello Featherbrain. <laughs> <laughs> and this pushes us into our PSA.
0: Yes, and we fade up to the tracker mansion, and T Bob is picking up some leaves in the yard by doing this. I don't know, I, I likened it to Wally. if you've ever seen Wally and the way he, you know, puts his trash in his little drawer there, and makes a nice little square to pile up, and this scene, uh, T-Bob is raking up these leaves, and he makes this, like, hay bale, like, small bale with string and everything, and shoots it out his butt, you know, <laughs> back yeah. to Scott.
1: Wow, what a fantastic invention we've made. Everyone in the block should have one.
0: Sorry, Scott.
1: There's only one of me. And I don't like overtime much. Uh
0: just then Scott spots a neighbor kid about to stick his hand in this like electric mower. And this is I, I don't know if this was a thing or not, but it was the old-fashioned, you know, push mower with the mm-hmm. rotating blades. But it had looked like it had a motor and uh, like electrical cord that it was hooked up to. So it wasn't like it was tethered. So I'm like, how much grass are you going to cut? If (laughs) you can only go the length of the electrical cord, Right. I don't know. Maybe that was a thing back in the day, but anyway, Scott tells him to never reach your hand into a running mower. And the boy kind of scratches his head and Scott tells him that he could lose a finger and he just kind of freeze frames and we fade out from our PSA from that point. But, Anyway, uh, we're at the end now. You were at a three and a half, right? Yeah. So, how did you uh, round up the the second half of the episode, and where did you land your final rating?
1: I'm still wishy-washy. I'll be honest, because this was just the transformation was improved. The I, I want to actually applaud that the audio engineer finally stumbled along the long lost archives of the watch alarm soundbite. Uh, <laughs> But kind of seriously, it's been like 40 episodes since the last, since we last heard the legit sound. Then they screwed it up by saying no, a simple mask command. They had a cool suspense that the radio breaks and it's up to the duo to keep Venom around, which helps them and their purpose. I like that they fiddled and actually had a wrench on like the propeller and, and all that. Moss's mm-hmm. plan to keep selling fakes for $3 million was actually clever. I was dismayed by how dragonfly transformed. I thought it'd be a little bit more, I guess, impressive. I just for my own take, I didn't knock it, but it was just I was looking, I guess I was looking for something more fancy. Yeah,
0: it that was kind of a tick for me too. I liked the way that they showed it and the, you know, the two wings come out and the little hidden laser in the front. The part that kind of bugged me, and like I said, it was more of a tick was where was it when it was transforming? Was it on the ground in the air? And they didn't have the scenes leading up to, you know, like they didn't have like a taking off scene for mm-hmm. it. They didn't have like a landing sequence for it. You see it converting. And then the next you see it pulling up next to Thunderhawk or whatever on the ground there. And then when we first see it, we, you know, we cut right to the transformation and the next scene it's flying beside Matt. So we don't get the, the animation of, you know, is this, is this transformation, is he getting a boost and then transforming off of the ground somewhere, you know, they like to do that sometimes where they find like a ramp, uh, you know, a natural ramp somewhere off a road and right. they gun it. And then they transform in the air. We've seen uh, Gloria do that she'll right. gun it off of a road and then transform it and go into the water. So we just didn't get that to know where exactly he's doing that. But I don't know, I like the the sequence. The sequence was good. It just like you, it just I guess I was looking for something more.
1: Mm-hmm. Um we actually had at least two masks used during this battle, which was kind of perplexing. I was actually disappointed by streamer the stickum. I mean, I guess it's a gadget, but I was disappointed. I thought it would be something better.
0: <laughs> and it kind of shot out of his chest too. Did you yeah. notice there was like a? It was like a little nozzle there instead of something out of the actual mask up higher.
1: Right, but know. if you think about it, Stiletto doesn't have anything on the mask. It's actually down here on the kind of chest area too. So I didn't. I didn't ding it for that. Just. Glue? Really? That's the best you can come up with is glue? <laughs> um, I did quickly research just for my own, I guess, edification. I did, there was an oo bird mm-hmm. back in the day, but I don't see an oo ee ee So, <laughs> I'm still not happy about how they came up with a name, but at least there was an oo-oo bird. So, okay. they're half right. The, we already identified it. We had a little bit more battle, but they kind of ran out early, like always. And um, there's my note. Uh, I said, like we said about earlier, that second defense mode, for what? There was no defense. There was no mask right. coming down, nothing. And then, like we, we were just talking about with the hut. I mean, how did Mask know that the hut was where Venom sat, let alone where the cape and helmet sat? So, um Oh, it's hard for me to move it up. I mean, the animation is what's helping it. I'm really at a three, but 3.5 because of the animation. I, I, I'm i so, I almost want to go down. I marked it as a four on our <laughs> ratings point. I think I am. I'm sorry. I'm changing it. It's a three. I, oh, wow. There's, okay. There's so many, th- too much, too much wrong. The The animation you got right. Come on. I realize it's 30 some years later, but seriously, I mean, you (laughs) had it right. And then you go screwed up by these little tiny disconnects. Anyway, that's my rant and rave. What about yours?
0: Okay, I was actually teetering the other way. I, I was teetering between a four and a four and a half after, you know, having the, just a four and a half at the break. I was like, is there enough to move it down to a four? And I, I, most of my little, Uh, things that I picked up on I kind of moved into the tick category instead of something being like bad you know I there was a lot to like about this and the battles themselves were very satisfying I thought because we had like three interactions throughout the episode which we don't get a lot of just straight battling back and forth and one of the things that I was trying to remember was When's the last time we had an all-aerial battle throughout the whole episode? You know, you had Switchblade and Vampire and Manta, all flying vehicles, and then you had Firefly and Thunderhawk. So it was all about in the air this time. Yes. And I don't know if we've ever had an episode that was like that before, where there was all just kind of aerial fighting. So, I don't know. I thought that was unique and there was a lot, you could tell there's a lot of details they added in the animation, specific animation for this episode, the, the targeting, and then just some of the scenes in the cockpit with mayhem. And then the actual, uh, the movement of the, the planes and, you know, the back and forth. I, I don't know. I, I thought the battles were very, very satisfying, probably top notch for what we're looking for, at least what I'm looking for in the episodes. And, and, I just thought I had a very good pace the whole way through. You know, there were some disconnects, like we mentioned, but the episode moved along very good pace, and mm-hmm. then there was a lot of back and forth between scenes. And it was kind of cool, like, when they when they landed Thunderhawk to go rushing into the smoking hut there, and Matt says, we got to find some way to put this fire out. Well, the very next scene you see... Julio. And I'm like, Oh, so he's going to use the stickum to put the fire out, but no, they're, you know, he's shooting it up the tree at Floyd. So I was like, Oh, that was a little, I thought I was going to see what was going to happen next, but they're still, you know, moving back and forth between scenes. So it wasn't very obvious. And then, you know, they ended up didn't putting the fire out, just basically turned to ash and, you know, that's when we get the end sequence with Scott and T Bob running up. But I don't know. I just like the way that they moved back and forth in this episode, except for that one scene. That was that I put that in the bad category where they're up there looking out the back at the pineapples. Mm-hmm. Um the defense mode and battle mode terminology, you know, I put that in the good category because we just don't get that in an episode anymore. Even though that, yeah, they they didn't use it there wasn't any uh follow up to the command that we were looking for in that one scene but i don't know i like that terminology i like that they're using it a lot in this episode and it it was deserving because they were battling a lot you know in the bad category i was thinking that this Rothman guy being an art dealer even a black market one he should have known that this was a fake You know, he, he should have seen the details and, you know, picked out it, especially with something that's one of a kind. I think he'd be a little bit more careful than just offering up 3 million for something that could be a fake. You know, I don't know how well he trusted. (laughs) Apparently he trusted them a lot, but that was kind of a disconnect to me. I was like, yeah, he, he should have probably spotted that. If Matt can spot it, You know, and maybe Matt knows a little bit more about art being the entrepreneur that he is. But still, I was like, wow, if he can spot it that quick, this dude should have spotted it too. And then the other things I didn't like was Venom, they fixed the vehicles too quick. And the recycled scene at the break with the conveyor belt. And it was funny. Matt's and even Mayhem's puns, there was more roll my eyes moment over them versus T Bob in this episode, yeah. <laughs> so they did start to wear on me at the end when every little thing was bird feathers, nest, migrating you know, everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, All right, can we drop it, please? <laughs> Feather brain, oh gosh, they just overcooked it there, but I don't know. I, I just again. The anim- like you were saying the animation and this the the pace and uh, the story I, that weighed a lot heavier to me than than some of these ticks which if this bird was rare or, or you know somewhat extinct you know how did the computer find it so easily? That was kind of a tick. Um, we talked about the takeoff and landing with Firefly, and then the the continuity. Stuff like, you know, Matt knowing where exactly the cape and helmet were inside the hut. The agents just showing up without doing like a transport plane scene. And the other thing, too, is what happened to Hondo? He jumped out of the freaking plane and then he shows up at the end of the yeah. episode. I'm like, he was going to look for Scott and T-Bob. Apparently he didn't do a very good job. They he came back together with the team at the end of the episode. I was like, I'm glad you're okay, Hondo. I just saw you jump out of a plane and. <laughs> but uh that was another good thing I got to add in too, because I, I just thought about this too. How much Doug was used in this episode and going back and forth between, you know, Matt and Hondo. And then he was also, I think he's also Floyd. Mm-hmm. So he had like three different parts in the episode and, you know, doing the different voices and the, the way that they recorded these episodes back then. That was some talent right there. Oh, you yeah. know. So I, in the end, I ended up leaving it where it was, my rating. And I, I gave it a five. Uh, amazingly. <laughs> and again, it, it might be just coming off that. I think I gave the last one a two. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, there was a lot of the things that I, I, I look for now as I'm watching these episodes. That engaged me more than some of the ticks that popped up throughout so i don't know this one uh this one landed good with me (laughs) better than you i guess so yeah so let's uh yeah let's that kind of wraps up our take um well before we go to the poll did you have anything in there from our uh script that might have been similar
1: i was trying but i didn't see anything
0: i didn't have anything either so uh Let's go over to the poll and see where we ended after you changed your vote.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: I'm showing three votes for a five, four fours, and two threes. So it would be what? Three, three fours,
1: fours and then three threes. And three
0: three. So th- basically three for everything. Yeah. So on average, that's a four. If, if my you. math is correct. Um, so overall... People, uh, the people voting tended to, uh, agree that it was a better episode and we had two comments.
1: Yeah. One from Decker. I always liked this episode as a kid. I think it is because Hondo is one of my favorite characters. Plus I like Floyd Molloy in this episode too. Maybe for one episode, y'all could highlight your favorite episodes for each character. Anyways, mm-hmm. glad y'all are recording Again, and looking forward to more episodes of Mass Cast. Awesome! You know that's something we could do as a Mass chat—is our favorite characters, or maybe their abilities or mask capabilities, or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you know, again, they don't call every team member each time, and sometimes there's this, a particular story behind why they're using racks in this episode, or. You know they they spot him uh, at this laboratory, or you know there's that one time where Vanessa is kind of undercover as a what are they in a library or something, and then she finds it was the one with the um, where they're looking for the schematics for the pipelines I think under the city. Oh yeah, and she's, she's kind of undercover. Yeah, she's kind of undercover, and then she goes like uh, Mayhem drops a cord for her, and then she you know flies away so yeah there's some cool episodes where each agent is highlighted a little bit more so that would be fun maybe to dig into sometime and it's your favorite episode featuring vanessa and hondo and you know just kind of go down the line and see and we haven't you know we reviewed a lot of these 52 of them out of 75 so we might miss some along the way, or maybe that's an episode we do after we complete the series. Right. So, yeah, that's a great suggestion, Decker. Thank you for that. And we'll, um, we'll tuck that one away and, uh, and definitely use that in an upcoming podcast or even a, you know, an article or something on the site. Um, And then of course, Anna, she always chimes in uh, with her review She says, this is a really good episode with some great animation. I especially like the close-up animation of some of the vehicles when they transform. The close-up animation of Manta when it drives into the Pineapple Factory. The scene when Floyd crashes is also great. Yeah, I did get a chuckle out of that. You know, that was a total, like, like you said, total rack scene. And it goes on to say, in addition, I thought Mayhem's line, here's my way of saying Aloha mask was really cool. One small drawback is the scene when Matt gets knocked unconscious and nearly falls into the pineapple cutter is very similar. Here it is. Very similar to the scene in the Panzer mystery, but I f- still thought this episode was good enough to deserve a five. So that's when I gave it. So cool. We're on the same page. Yeah. Panzer mystery. That is the one with the horses. That, that's what I was thinking that was where that uh, that scene came from. So she picked it out. She knows the episodes a lot better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thanks as always, Anna, for your comments. And that kind of leads us into our next episode review podcast. And uh, we'll be talking about episode 53, The Patchwork Puzzler. And in this one, Venom steals a Civil War era quilt that contains a secret message to finding buried treasure at the Washington Monument in Washington D.C. Not too far from you. So that uh, I like the uh, the sound of that one. Adding in some history and uh, Venom back to doing what they do a lot of and trying to get a quick buck to fund their organization. I'm crossing my fingers over this one. sounds pretty good.
1: Yeah. It sounds interesting to me. Yeah.
0: So, uh, that's going to about do it. We have, uh, reviewed the Royal Cape caper. Why I gave it a three, I gave it a five out of five. So, uh, one of those that is rare that I rate it higher than you, you're usually (laughs) uh, a lot more kind. And for some reason, uh, like I was saying, uh, some of the, uh, the things that bothered you more, were more ticks for me, so uh, this was fun. We need to uh, we need to do this again sometime.
1: <laughs> more often, yes,
0: right, right. So like I, anyway,
1: I follow us on on our other entities, whether it's Rediscover the Eighties, Memory Jogger, Rankum. Uh, but I said it over there. We had a schedule intended; it just happened to fly out the window. Just life again. It seems to be life. You give it that blame, but. You know, we've said before... It's the truth. It is the truth. You know, we're both working people. This is a hobby. We both have our own sets of kids. So just whenever we can get the free time to get into our quote-unquote studio, we love to do it. So we're trying to get on a better schedule and hope to be more regular on that. But uh, this has been great. Like you said, I, I always have fun with these and... I really miss MassCast. It's been a little too long, and um, it has, yeah. But yeah, I want to thank you all again. Thank you for watching and listening to us, and we'll see you again next time on MassCast.